Welcome in, welcome in to Face to Face Sports, the second edition coming to you live from the McLaughlin Center for the Arts on Emory and Henry's campus. This is WEHC 90.7 FM. I'm your host, Jordan Dove, and I'm excited to bring you this second edition of Face to Face Sports, a show which discusses all the latest sports news, both nationally and locally. During my time, I enjoy discussing the latest topics as well as giving my opinions and takes on all the biggest events happening in the sports world. We have lots to talk about. We got NBA Finals action, college baseball and softball tournament talk, and much, much more. Exciting action in the sports world here in early June. A lot of teams in different leagues eyeing a championship, so stay tuned and let's get started. We're going to start tonight's show discussing the championship series going on right now in the NBA. Warriors and Celtics are tied at a game apiece after two games in San Francisco. Teams are currently traveling to Boston, Massachusetts to play games three and four. First time since 2010, the city of Boston will see NBA Finals action. The Bay Area, of course, has been used to this in recent years, but probably didn't get the results they were hoping for as the Warriors split games one and two at home. We'll start with Game 1. Quite the shocker as the Warriors had jumped out to a lead as high as 15 points in the third quarter, only to see it crumble 87-72 to uh, after they were up 87-72 excuse me, in the third quarter. The score was 87-72 with a minute and 35 seconds left to play in the third, and that was when the Celtics began their run. By the end of the fourth, Boston had cut that lead to 12 and would eventually win the ball game 120-108. to Celtics absolutely outplayed the Warriors in that fourth period, and they overcame one of the largest deficits in the finals and also outscored them, the Warriors, 40-16 to in the final period, one of the largest deficits ever seen in an NBA Finals quarter. For the Warriors, it was all about the first half and a solid third quarter. Steph Curry came out on fire, scoring 21 points with six threes in the first quarter, but only 13 the rest of the game. Andrew Wiggins, who scored 20 in the first three quarters, would go scoreless in the fourth quarter. Golden State as a team just could not hold on in the final period, only making seven shots, while also struggling to get to the free throw line, going 0 for 2 from the line in the quarter. Rather than focusing on the Warriors didn't do, let's look at the winners and look at the Celtics and see what they did do and what was so effective. Boston converted 15 of their 22 shots in the quarter, with Al Horford and Jalen Brown combining for 21 of the Celtics' 40 points in the quarter. Combined, the two were extremely efficient, going 8 of 10 from the floor and 4 of 5 from the 3. Boston's tough defense also forced some turnovers and is good enough to overcome a shaky debut finals game from Jason Tatum, who would go scoreless in the final quarter, shooting only 3 of 17 for the entire game. But even then, Tatum found other ways to be involved, and I must give him credit for spreading the ball around, as he did tally 13 assists for the ball game, a career high for him both regular season and playoffs. Something I believe people could agree with is that the Celtics gave the Warriors a taste of their own medicine. How, how you might ask? Well, by shooting the lights out from three against the Splash Brothers and the Dubs, something that team does to everyone else in the league. Any team who can shoot 21 of 41 from three, including 9 of 12 in the fourth alone, is probably going to win the ball game. I mean, at one point, the Celtics had made seven consecutive three-pointers, the last one by Al Horford, which gave the team a six-point lead late in the fourth. I think something that I've been critical about in the past is Boston's lack of ball movement. Uh, oftentimes, when I've watched them, it seems like they run too much iso ball with Tatum and Brown oftentimes taking turns with that. Uh, but as the game moved on and, and Boston started to make their run, you could really see the ball movement, uh, which head coach Ime Udoka has really brought to the team this year. 
the way the shots were, were being set up I mean, it proved to be very effective, and it's where the game switched. Celtics were quick with their passes, and they were doing extremely well when it came to penetrating the paint and kicking out to players outside of the arc. It's just something the Warriors kept falling for over and over again. On one play, I counted four passes in a matter of six seconds, which led to an open Al Horford three. It's almost like you were watching San Antonio or the Warriors themselves. Honestly, the Celtics were beating the Warriors at their own game in other ways as well. They began to take the ball with their small ball lineup, something which been which has been really effective the entire postseason. This lineup, uh, which would end up taking the lead for the Celtics, involved Horford, Brown, and Tatum, and Derek White and Peyton Pritchard, the latter two which have given Boston great minutes off the bench. The lineup took the Warriors apart on both ends. Defensively, the Celtics went to a lot more switching and pre-switching in the fourth, and it really limited Curry shooting specifically. Uh, the lineup, I think, played very physically and just wore the Warriors out in the end. It's a hard-fought win for the Celtics, an impressive one, but whatever emotional high the team, f- the team felt, it wasn't there the following game. It quickly vanished as they were completely taken apart last night by Golden State, 107-88. to the old dubs were back to form last night, and this time they made sure their lead was secure. Steph Curry had 29 points on uh, 9 of 21 shooting, and Jordan Poole, who's really been a rising star this year, scored 17 points off the bench. Poole had struggled in Game 1, but really turned it around last night, specifically with his 3-point shooting, hitting 5 of 9, and a beautiful half-court shot as the third-quarter buzzer sounded. While the final score shows a blowout, this was a tight game going into halftime as Golden State did hold a 52-50 advantage. But if anything can be said about Game 2, you have to start with that third quarter. Warriors in the past have really shown to make remarkable and deadly third quarter runs, especially in the playoffs. Celtics, on the other hand, have been one of the worst third quarter teams in this year's playoffs. Mix that together and you get a 35-14 Warriors run in the quarter. Boston shot just 4 of 17 in the third quarter and committed 5 turnovers that became 11 Warriors points. Golden State went 7 of 12 from 3-point range. Curry actually matched Boston's point total by himself. Poole's half-court buzzer beater seemed pretty fitting and the, and the route was completed at quarter's end. Boston's issue last night, besides coming out of halftime flat shooting, was the turnovers, which Golden State scored 33 points off of. Celtics committed 21 total turnovers, with Marcus Smart and Tatum giving it up a combined nine times. In the third, Boston committed more turnovers than made field goals as well. Speaking of Tatum, he looked improved from Game 1, scoring 28 points on 8 of 19 shooting. But his minus 36 plus minus was the worst by any player in the NBA Finals in the play-by-play era, according to StatMuse. Let's go back and talk about Boston's third quarter struggles, something which has haunted them this entire postseason. After last night, Boston now has two of the worst third quarters in this year's playoffs. In Game 1 of the Eastern Conference Finals, the Miami Heat outscored them by 25 points. Last night, they were outscored by 21. In another stat, the Celtics have been outscored by at least 14 points in the third four times this postseason. Three of these games end up costing the Celtics the game, with only one of them ended up being a Boston win. In these playoffs as a whole, the Celtics have also been outscored by 37 points. If Boston wants to focus on one thing before heading into Game 3, it should be the woes which come in this quarter. The Celtics cannot afford to come out flat at halftime, especially with a team like the Warriors they're facing. Warriors excel coming out of the break, as we've often seen. They also have to limit their turnovers and have to go back to the quick and efficient passing team which crowds saw in Game 1. Overall, Boston should feel very fortunate. They came out of the first two road games of the win, 
and now the home court advantage has been taken away from the Warriors. However, it's always nice to grab those first two when you can. For the Warriors, they're probably taking a big sigh of relief as they leave home with at least one win in their pocket. After all, history's told us that no, no team has ever won the finals after losing their first two home games. Uh, but I'm very much enjoying this series so far. I think, as I, I said last week, there are many great storylines in this series. Many legacies will be written when it's done. Uh, the teams are both well-coached. Ime Yudoka, Steve Kerr, great players, both young and old on both sides. Uh, players who have been here, players who haven't. Uh, two teams who are red-hot going to the playoffs as well. So uh, it's been fun. There's been some uh, twists and, twist and turns, as you'd expect in the NBA Finals. Uh, it seems like no lead is safe. Um, but yes, uh, Game 3 of the NBA Finals will start at 9 o'clock Wednesday night. Series is shifting now to Boston for the next two games. Those games will be broadcast live from the TE Garden. Reminder, that is 9 o'clock Wednesday night. So we're going to take a little break. When I turn, we'll be discussing some college baseball and softball. Tournaments are underway. Lots of action. Stay with us. You're listening to WHC 90.7. One of E.O. Wilson's most famous quotes puts us in our place. He said, If all mankind were to disappear, the world would regenerate back to the rich state of equilibrium that existed 10,000 years ago. But if insects were to vanish, the environment would collapse into chaos. And insects do way more for us than just pollinate. Insects also serve as an important source of food for other animals. In fact, one tiny little nest of baby chickadees will eat 8,000 caterpillars before they grow up and fly away. So put away that can of bug killer and learn more about the tiniest and arguably most important element of the ecosystem. Find links to learn more on the ENH Wild Campus Facebook page. Stay curious! Brought to you by the Holston Rivers Chapter of Virginia Master Naturalist. Support for WEHC and Emory and Henry football comes from Tumbling Creek Cider Company. Heritage-inspired, handcrafted hard cider in the heart of downtown Abingdon. Open daily in the Spring House 112 Court Street, Northeast, and online at tumblingcreekcider.com. Tumbling Creek Cider Company, serving the spirit of our community. Welcome back in to Face-to-Face Sports here on WEHC 90.7. I'm your host, Jordan Dove. If you're just now tuning in, I was just discussing the first two games of the NBA Finals between the Boston Celtics and the Golden State Warriors. A lot of great action has happened in those first two games. Game three will begin at 9 o'clock on Wednesday night. Let's shift gears now to the NCAA side of things and the baseball and softball tournaments which which have been ongoing. A lot of teams in baseball have already stamped their ticket to the Super Regionals, making their goals of a World Series appearance that much closer. Yesterday saw five teams move on. The number one overall seed, the Tennessee Volunteers, completed their sweep of their regional, defeating Georgia Tech by a score of 9-6. The Yellow Jackets entered the top of the ninth inning, holding a 4-3 lead, but could not hold on to win and push it to a final elimination game. 
In the inning, the Volunteers really got the bats going, scoring six runs on four hits. They also drew an intentional walk and a, and a hit by pitch, which gave them the lead to stay. Jordan Beck and Trey Lipscomb each had two hits and two RBIs on the night for Tennessee, and pinch hitter Jared Dickey had a big hit in his only at-bat, singling up the middle to begin that ninth-inning rally. When they took the lead 5-4, it was their first lead of the game, and when the game ended, the Volunteers had officially advanced, making it to at least the Super Regionals for the second consecutive year, as last year they made it all the way to the World Series in Omaha. And let's talk about their opponent in that round coming up, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, who also surprisingly advanced yesterday. With their win over Texas Tech yesterday, the Irish captured the Statesboro Regional title, making it, to, making it the second straight year they will advance to the Supers, the first time in school history they've advanced in two straight years. Once again, another great game. Notre Dame held a 2-0 lead in the top of the eighth before Texas Tech tied it. In the bottom half of the frame, the Irish responded after a wild pitch by Texas Tech pitcher Mason Molina brought a runner on third, third, brought a runner on third home, excuse me, to give Notre Dame the 3-2 lead, which they would eventually hold on to and win the game. Tennessee will host Notre Dame in the Knoxville Super Regionals beginning either this Thursday or Friday, depending on how the rest of the games shape out. And how about those Hokies? An absolute dominant display shown by Virginia Tech in their self-hosted regional this weekend. The Hokies won three games without a loss, outscoring their opponents by a total of 46-15 to in those games. Let's recap, shall we? On Friday, they defeated Wright State 15-9. Nick Bittison would go a perfect 5-of-5 hitting, while Bristol's own Gavin Cross would go 5-of-6, while also tallying 5 RBIs. Saturday night, the bats were absolutely on fire for the Hokies. Virginia Tech would score 24 runs off of 20 hits against Columbia, scoring 14 in the fourth inning alone. Columbia would go through six pitchers on the night as they were just unable to find a spark from any of them. Yesterday saw a rematch between the two, and while it was closer than the game before, the outcome was already certain as the Hokies won the ball game 7-2, winning a regional for the first time in their history. Tanner Schobel, Carson Martini, and Nick Bittison each hit home runs, and Ryan Metz and Graham Furrow combined to pitch seven innings and strike out nine batters, allowing four hits and two runs for the game. Virginia Tech will host the winner of Florida or Oklahoma. That game is currently delayed last time I checked, but they will host the, the winners of those two next weekend in the first ever Blacksburg Super Regional. So great news for both Tennessee and Virginia Tech fans. I'm sure this area is going to be buzzing with its excitement this upcoming weekend. Good luck to both teams. And how about the rest of the country? We had a few others advance yesterday. Texas Longhorns were perfect in their self-hosted regional in Austin. Two wins against Air Force and a win against Louisiana Tech gave Texas another regional win, their 23rd in school history, obviously a storied program there. And their in-state rival over there in College Station, Texas A&M, is also moving on. Wins over Oral Roberts, Louisiana, and TCU brought the Aggies their first regional title since 2017. 14 hits at 14 RBIs yesterday sealed the deal. They beat TCU 15-9. We're going to take another quick break and let you hear some messages, but when I return, I'll be recapping some of the action from today and taking a look at some of the matchups which will be set this weekend. Stay with us on WEHC 9.7 FM. Support for WEHC comes from Highlands Ballet Company, whose mission is to nurture, support, and inspire young dancers 
in a wholesome, friendly atmosphere. They strive to offer their students a level of training that invokes technical and artistic excellence. For more information, highlandsballet.org or 276-623-0822. This is Henry McCarthy of Poets and Writers. We're pleased to bring you another season of Poets and Writers, some new poets, some local poets, some national poets, and some fine writers, and also we have some screenwriters for you this, this year. So tune in to Poets and Writers. We write poems every day in our hearts, but we're often afraid to share them. And if you send me a few lines to McCarthyHenry at Yahoo.com, we will put them on. So Poets and Writers, Henry McCarthy, don't forget us. WEHC 90.7 FM brings you the Jukebox every weeknight from 11 p.m. to 12 a.m. Tune in to hear what your friends and people in the community are listening to. And for your turn on the Jukebox, send your 60-minute playlist to WEHC at ehc.edu. We'll be going wherever the music takes us. Welcome back into Face-to-Face Sports, the second edition. Our second uh, show, our first one was last week, and we are back to talk a lot of the same stuff, NBA Finals action, college baseball, college softball. Like I said in the beginning of the show, a lot of teams are in uh, different leagues are eyeing that championship. It's early June. It's title season for a lot of them. So we're going to look at uh, some of the scores from today, in the college baseball world. A lot of the games still ongoing, but let's, t- let's take a look first at the ones that are done and completed. Louisville did win their regional matchup, their self-hosted one, over Michigan 11-9. to The Cardinals were down 9-7 to at the bottom of the eighth inning, but rallied to take a two-run lead and the win. This is the Cardinals' first regional win since 2019. Michigan loses in the regional round for the second straight year. And East Carolina came out on top over Coastal Carolina 13-4 to win their own Greenville Regional. Bryson Worrell had the game of his life going 4-4 with four RBIs. A lot of great games going on. Um, Currently, live, we are still looking at Oklahoma and Florida, which is is delayed. Um, Just a reminder, those two uh, will play Virginia Tech. They will go to the Blacksburg Regional. <clears throat> and uh, my alma mater, LSU, is playing Southern Miss currently. They are up 4-3 to three in the top of the 7th. Uh, LSU and Southern Miss, this is the elimination game, the winner-take-all, so whoever wins this will advance to the Supers. Um, baseball powerhouse Vanderbilt is down 6-3 to three against Oregon State in the Corvallis Regional. Uh, that is also an elimination game. Uh, that game is in the top of the 6th inning. Ole Miss and Arizona over there in Coral Gables are playing, and Ole Miss has the lead 5-3 to three currently. They are in the—oh, well, they just finished the third. So they're in the middle of the third and fourth. They're taking a little break there. And uh, over there in Chapel Hill, the host, North Carolina, who won the ACC title uh, the weekend before uh, last, is up on VCU— Four to nothing. So once again, those scores right now: Oklahoma, Florida is delayed. Southern Miss and LSU. LSU is up four to three. Oregon State's up six to three on Vanderbilt. Ole Miss up five to three 
on Arizona, and North Carolina up on VCU 4 to nothing. Louisville beat Michigan. They're advancing. And East Carolina also won today. They will be advancing as well. When this show gets done at 7 o'clock, Maryland and UConn will be starting, and so will Arkansas and Oklahoma State. And later today, or later tonight, excuse me, Texas State and Stanford over there at the Stanford Regional. That's at 10 o'clock, obviously. The uh, the time zones are a little bit different. That's why the later start is there. So, um, we're going to take one more break, and then we are going to recap some softball. A lot of those girls are in the World Series right now, but stay with us. This is WHC 90.7. Support for WEHC and Emory and Henry football comes from Tumbling Creek Cider Company. Heritage-inspired, handcrafted hard cider in the heart of downtown Abingdon. Open daily in the Spring House 112 Court Street, Northeast, and online at tumblingcreekcider.com. Tumbling Creek Cider Company, serving the spirit of our community. Support for WEHC comes from Snow's Fine Meats and Provisions, a neighborhood butcher shop in downtown Abingdon specializing in locally sourced pasture-raised proteins, handmade deli items, and specialty goods. Open Tuesday through Saturday and online at Snow's Fine Meats, 160 East Main Street, Abingdon. Snow's Fine Meats, bringing the old-fashioned butcher shop experience to your table. I heard the voice of a pork shop say, come on, Ready to talk about your stewing beans? I know what's the best. Welcome back into Face-to-Face Sports here on WHC 90.7. We're coming to you live from the McLaughlin Center for the Arts here on Emory and Henry's campus. Privileged to be talking with you guys today about all the latest news in the sports world. We've got NBA Finals action. NCAA Baseball and Softball are in their tournaments. The men about to begin Super Regionals. The women already playing in the College World Series. And hey, how about Rafael Nadal? Nadal, his record 14th French Open title yesterday, extends his men's singles record of 22 Grand Slam tournament titles titles. Quite the accomplishment for him. Definitely one of the goats in the tennis world. Congratulations to him. I'm sure he's going to continue his dominant run. He's only 36 years old. Incredible stuff. Now shifting gears once again, this time to women's softball. Yesterday, Arizona's Cinderella run came to an end. Their first year after legendary head coach Mike Candera's retirement, the Wildcats struggled in the regular season going 33-20 and and only 8-16 and in conference play. But this postseason, they turned it around. The team caught fire and swept their regionals and super regionals to advance to the College World Series. A loss to Oklahoma State meant that Arizona couldn't afford to lose again. Friday, they came up with a great win over Oregon State to stay alive. But yesterday, it ended against the Longhorns, and they were defeated 5-2. to Texas is one of the four teams remaining, and they will actually begin play here in a few minutes at 7 o'clock, where they will face Oklahoma State. If Oklahoma State wins tonight, they will make their first national championship appearance in their program's history. A loss would draw things out, and a final semifinal game between the two would take place later this evening. And on the other side of the bracket, things were determined and set in stone earlier today. Powerhouses Oklahoma and UCLA. What an outstanding set of games between these two. Uh, These two have been dominant for the past decade, so you expected this to go wire to wire. Um... UCLA won the first game 7-3. Um, the Sooners regrouped and took the winner-take-all game 15 to nothing. 
which means Oklahoma will face the winner of Texas and Oklahoma State in the national championship. This is Oklahoma's seventh national championship appearance in the last 10 years. Um, obviously, they are uh, defending their crown. Um, honestly, you wonder uh, if 2020, you know, COVID doesn't break out, where do they go then? I mean, this has just been one of the most dominant runs ever. You could say uh, um, seven natty appearances in the last nine tournaments, but um, that's neither here or there. But congratulations to them. Uh, they continue their their dominant run. Uh, Oklahoma softball, just great accomplishment. And focusing a little bit uh, more local to finish us out, uh, several members of the Patrick Henry and Abigail High School um, team track teams won first place medals at the VHSL state championships this weekend. I'd like to take some time to recognize them uh, for Class 1 and Patrick Henry. Uh, Dakota Pacina took first place in the 400-meter run as well as the high jump. Tyler Barrett would take home the discus title, coming in first on that. And the Patrick Henry 4x4 relay team would come in first as well. And for Class 3 in Abingdon High School, Dylan Phillips would win the 1,600-meter race, and the 4x800-meter relay team would come in first place as well. Congratulations congratulations to all these athletes. Uh, I know many of them very well. Uh, sometimes I miss those days running track, but... Um, I understand the hard work that comes with it, so um, yeah, a lot of congratulations to them. Worked hard for it, I know. Um, well, it is 6.56 now. I'd say it's going to wrap up um, us for the week. Another action-packed week is awaiting us. We might be crowning some champions. Tune in next week, same day, same time, Monday at 6.30, and I'll once again dive into all the action. Once again, privileged to be speaking to you all. Thank you, as always, for listening. This is Facebook calling a wrap. Stay safe out there. Watch some sports. Keep listening to WEHC 90.7. Y'all, this place is wild. And sometimes wild comes in tiny, tiny little packages, like insects. One of E.O. Wilson's most famous quotes puts us in our place. He said, if all mankind were to disappear, the world would regenerate back to the rich state of equilibrium that existed 10,000 years ago. But if insects were to vanish, the environment would collapse into chaos. And insects do way more for us than just pollinate. Insects also serve as an important source of food for other animals. In fact, one tiny little nest of baby chickadees will eat 8,000 caterpillars before they grow up and fly away. So put away that can of bug killer and learn more about the tiniest and arguably most important element of the ecosystem. Find links to learn more on the ENH Wild Campus Facebook page. Stay curious! Brought to you by the Holston Rivers Chapter of Virginia Master Naturalist. Underwriting for WEHC and Emory Henry Football comes from the Bank of Marion. Recently announcing new products and services to make banking better, including a Platinum Rewards credit card with contactless payments, it's tap and go. Earn rewards points for every retail purchase, redeemable for merchandise, travel, cashback, and fuel discounts. The Bank of Marion, with 17 hometown community branches throughout the region. Member FDIC. WEHC 90.7 FM brings you the Jukebox every weeknight from 11 p.m. to 12 a.m. 
tune in to hear what your friends and people in the community are listening to. And for your turn on the jukebox, send your 60-minute playlist to WEHC at ehc.edu. We'll be going wherever the music takes us. Support for WEHC comes from the Lincoln Theater, presenting diverse artistic experiences, increasing awareness of local heritage and culture, and preserving the theater for future generations to enjoy. The Lincoln Theater is a home for music and culture in the heart of downtown Marion, 117 East Main Street, Marion, Virginia. Tickets and information at 276-783-6092 or online at thelincoln.org. Support for WEHC and Emory and Henry football comes from Tumbling Creek Cider Company. Heritage-inspired, handcrafted hard cider in the heart of downtown Abingdon. Open daily in the Spring House 112 Court Street, Northeast, and online at tumblingcreekcider.com. Tumbling Creek Cider Company, serving the spirit of our community.